Hi, this is Mike Torres III with La 45, and you're listening to the Texas Music Spotlight. Welcome to the Texas Music Spotlight Podcast, supporting artists and musicians from the great state of Texas. And now, here's your host, Julie. Welcome to the Texas Music Spotlight, TMS Musicos. My name is Julie, and this is my segment of the show where I talk to whoever the hell I feel like talking to. It just so happens to be that mainly I talk to Tejano musicians because that's kind of where my career has been. Uh, most of my career has been around Tejano musicians. Uh, but today we're talking to Mike Torres III, a former former bass player for Little Joe y La Familia. He's now the front man with his band La 45, bringing that Chicano sound back. Uh, great sound from these guys. I love. I've heard some of the, some of the live stuff from uh, La Cuarenta y Cinco, and it's really cool to hear that sound with a full brass section, accordion, bass, drums, guitar. Uh, it's a really cool sound. You really need to check it out. And now you actually hear a sample of uh, one of a, some, a live show in just a bit. Uh, but we talked to Mike about a lot of things, man. How he got started, his family, who's a, a musical family, uh, from his grandpa to his dad and his sister and brother, all play. Uh, he grew up in California. Actually started out on drums at two years old, uh, guitar at nine. He, the guy plays, let's see, the guy plays drums, guitar, bass, keyboards, trombone, uh, uh, trumpet, and he sings. And, uh, you know, we talk about all this stuff in the podcast, how he started professionally, even though he started playing about two professionally at 12. The, the thing that caught me the most was at 19, he decided to move to San Antonio with the dreams of, of pursuing a Tejano career. And just picked up and left. Had nothing, nothing lined up here in San Antonio. Just left, took a train, and came down here and made the best of it, man. So if anybody tells you you can't do it, he's proof that you can. Uh, you just gotta have the the heart to do it, like Mike has. Um, how he got started with the, you know, once once he got to town. Uh, George Rivas jam session, how he got started there and just started making connections and started meet, meeting people. Uh, some of the influences in his, in his career playing wise, like Oel Guzman and how he got into Little Joe. You know, his family knew the, the Little Joe for years and years and how he eventually ended up being the bass player for Little Joe. Uh, his band La 45 is currently with VMB Music Group. Uh, and they're hoping to bring the, Ch- the Chicano music sound to a younger generation and, and kind of bring that back around. Uh, and of course, we talk about his most embarrassing moment, which is my sickness. I have to know, right? Uh, and, and, and after all those instruments that he plays, what's his favorite instrument still that he likes to play? So you all hear that all on the podcast. Um, coming up shortly. And I want to say something because I was really pissed off because we did, <laughs> not at Mike, but I was really pissed off because we did the recording. We did the interview. I had everything set up. And if you don't, if you know anything about how I run my, my system, I, we do it. I do my segment on Facebook Live. So I have a lot of things going on here. Uh, recording the audio. We're doing the Facebook Live. I got videos, things, and I'm running the camera. And I had everything set up and everything was looking like it recorded the audio perfectly, right? Of course, we're done with, and he leaves, and I look at the recording, and my re- my audio recorder was not recording from the mics; it was actually recording from our from our webcam mics. So it's going to sound a little different than you're used to, but you can still hear it. It sounds great. I did as, the best I could to fix that up, but I was really upset at myself for not catching that and noticing that it wasn't picking up the actual mics that we were 
talking into. So basically, the mics and the Facebook Live video feed are just there as props because we weren't using those mics, but we were recording off the webcam mics. Uh, anyway, it sounds great. I did the best I could. Uh, we had a great time. I had a great time. I really enjoyed having Mike here. He's a great guy with La 45. I wish him much, much success with his band. I know he's going to do great things because he's got a good head on his shoulders. Uh, so here's the interview. Here's a little bit of a live with La 45, a little bit of live stuff with the band, and then we'll get into the interview after that. Torres is the third with La 45. <laughs> the 45. Yes, sir. <laughs> Mike, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Oh, man. Thank really you for appreciate having it, me, man. Excited to be here. Awesome, man. I, I, uh, we talked a little bit about the podcast. You know, you have an idea of what we do here. I like to know where musicians come from, What what's their background, what what got them into this this goddamn business yeah. <laughs> that we call music. <laughs> what's your first... And the beauty of it, I, I know nothing about you, Mike. Yeah, and, that's, yeah. and I enjoy that because I'm going to have a general curiosity to what, yeah, how you yeah. got into it. And I see some of the stuff you're doing out there, which is great stuff now. I love it. So what got you into music? Did you come from a musical family? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Musical family. I'm a third generation. Third generation. Yeah. Okay. And, so who, and my grandfather, uh, who's Mike Torres Sr., uh-huh. he's had a band since 1970. But he's been playing... Since he was a kid, and, and it's crazy, man. He learned in the in the fifties through right. correspondence, man. Back then, you know, they used to do courses where you where you mail out for, really? for lessons, you know. And they were poor, working the fields. He's you know immigrant from Mexico, and right. he'd he'd spend what little extra money he had. What do you sending playing? off for guitar? For guitar, he'd send off you know for for their the next lesson, you know, when he'd save up to get it. And he still has these little books, man, that he that he'd show us that. <laughs> He kept them in great condition. Really? Keeps them in like a, like a plastic container, you know, airtight and just wow. never never bent the pages, never nothing, you know. And, uh, and that's, that's how a, he started that's learning. Learn. That's how he started learning. Then picked up you know tricks from other guys in the fields and and you know learning learning different things on the way. And uh, his his style was you know trio, all of those okay, punches, yeah. all that kind oh, of stuff. Man. So that's what I grew up playing and, I love and that learning. Music. You know, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> great stuff, man. And it's it's uh, just on a totally different level, you know what I mean? As a right. guitar player, and you know that yeah. they, they they the jazz influence in that stuff is just crazy. Well, yeah, I, so I just posted uh, something know? recently. Uh, of, I think uh, Los Reyes. Yeah. Yeah. And man, the Rinquito work on that. Just, yeah, like, man. How do you begin to learn that stuff? There, there was another guy with uh, Los Tres Ases. His uh-huh. name was Juan Neri. He was their Rinquito player. Uh-huh. And when they lived in L.A., he played with Los Ases, and then when he wasn't with them. He was playing jazz, you know, big hollow body, you know, <laughs> playing jazz with all the negros that, you know. So and, that's, and, he was just applying both yeah, worlds to each other. Yeah, he was doing both, man. Then he'd come back and you could hear that, you know, because, you know, African-American jazz musicians back then were just mm-hmm. leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else, right. you know. So when he was learning from them, he'd bring that and put it into what right. they were doing in boleros and stuff. Wow. And it was like, good God. You know, you hear it in his lead playing and his soloing and it just, it's crazy, man. But that's what I grew up playing 
and I grew up playing, and my family has a band. My dad, and plays, that was your you know. your grandfather. That's that my it. grandfather. Okay, so then yeah. your dad, how yeah. did he learn? Same, the, the same from, from, from the my same grandpa. Books? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> from from my grandpa. And then he actually he was the only one in the family that got like formal lessons. Oh, okay. And he taught all his brothers and sisters, and they all started playing. And, and, so all your dad's family played they together? They all play. Yeah, they, they still play together. Really? They still play together. I'm actually going home for New Year's for the first time in, in a few years, and I'm going to play with him. Where's home? For New Year's. Uh, back in California, Northern okay. California. Yeah, yeah. Right. The small town's called Lathrop, but the bigger city's Stockton. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, people might recognize it from... Uh, you know, they're always on the news for some gang violence and stuff. Never, not real proud of that, but that's, uh, that's probably where they recognize it from. The, the notoriety of yeah, that, yeah. that town. But we're a little south from there, a little smaller country town. So your dad yeah. still plays out there? They all play out there. What, my grandpa's 82, and he still plays. Your, your grandpa yeah. still plays? Yeah, he still plays. Oh, my God. Yeah, so uh, See, that's they what, have... That's who I'm going to be. Yeah, they have the band, and they still play in, all over California, and... and you know, I mean, they're they're just an amazing Dahano? party band. Well, they they're a variety. They, a variety they okay. do everything, you know, and uh, uh, but they do Tejano, and they're they're one of the only ones left out there that's still doing it. You know, there's a few, but they're right. they you know it's a small so that, well, small like, community. If, if you can get the niche and and you you can get that whole territory. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, because yeah. there ain't too many Tejano exactly, bands out there, exactly. and there are some younger ones that are great. Man, there's there's a Band out of Fresno called Conjunto Califas uh-huh. that are just great. There's a band out of Modesto called Texas Funk. They're doing it. You know, a band out of the Bay Area called the Night Lighters and right. the Silverados. Those are probably like the four or five bigger ones that are out there um, that that play a lot and are keeping it going out mm-hmm. there. And I used to see those guys all the time growing up, you know, right. and then playing with my family's band. And and uh, when, when Tejanos would come, which was very rare when they came to California. Right. You know, we drive where we had to. to go right, to right. And yeah. we, I, I remember touring and seeing that because you know they were so hungry for it that when yeah. we, you know, guys like us that went out there, it was like, man, they really dig us, and it was, and it was, it's it was great like for that. us. It's yeah. still like that, man. You know, I wish other bands would go more because they, they just they want it. Right, it's just not available to them. Right. You know. And so when you get a crowd like that, you know how it is. They're yeah. just, they eat up anything you right. do. And you're they like, man, dance, I can they dance to play everything. whatever. Yeah. I can play whatever I want here. And they're going to, you know. So yeah. going back to your start, when, when did you, uh, by what age did you start to pick up? Well, uh, man, I had no choice. It was early. You know, my dad started me on drums when I was like, so two, he, he yeah. really wanted you to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause my I, know, sister, I know there's families who don't want him. I didn't want my son to play, but he did. Yeah. It, right? No, my dad, my older sister played. My younger brother played. We all played, you know, and did y'all started from a little, early. Yeah. Little well, not, not us. We're, we're very different. I mean, music wise, right. you know what I mean? And, uh, uh, we're a little spread out in age too. Okay. So my, okay. my younger brother's a total rocker, man. He's an amazing <laughs> guitar player, but he's just a shredder, man. Right. He just, you know, and, and he now that I've moved away, he plays in the trio with my dad and my grandpa. They still play. And, uh, you know, he says, Hey, I'll do it because it makes money. But, right. you know, that's, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, but we all this do is that. what I, yeah, this is what I love to do. You right. Know, this, and he has a band and writes his own stuff. And my sister's a great singer. But she uh, uh, leans more towards R&B and soul. Okay. You know, and, and uh, never really got into the Tejano thing. And they're out in California? They're all in California, yeah. So when you pick up drums, uh, by what age? How old? Uh, starting, I got my first drum set when I was two. Starting lessons about four. In it. Yeah. It was... It, <laughs> a mini set, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. A little tiny Not one. Not a full set. No, no, no. A little tiny one. But, and uh, that's... Uh, it, it, is that what you were... 
gravitated to, or just yeah. or I mean, something your dad thought maybe it, you know we should play a beat first. It was something that everybody did in the family. Everybody started on drums and percussion. Really, you, you did drums, you did congas, you did timbales, and and that way you that's, played in the band, you know, and you learned yeah. a sense of rhythm, and then you moved right. on to that's something else. Actually, you know? a great idea, and and it really works because uh, at least for us it did. You know, everybody in my family they're very percussive players in, in everything they do. You know, and their sense of time is really right. good. Their sense of rhythm is real good. Um, you know, and, and when you move on to bass or guitar or even piano, you know, you're doing you you're doing stuff on there right. that that you feel it really close to the drums, and you you play a lot closer like that. You know, rhythmically, and it just all fits in. And then we all studied the same thing, whether it was my dad or my aunts and uncles or me or my brother. You know, we all learned from that same vein of you know my grandpa and all that kind of music and all the music the band was playing. And right. So it just really clicks really well, you know. So, but, I mean, that's a great idea because I think uh, I, I've done that with some, when I was teaching, I would try and incorporate rhythm. Yeah. Whether it be clapping yeah. or something like that because that was the way I was taught in high school and middle school yeah. was yeah. to learn how to do the rhythm stuff. Maybe not with a conga or anything, but on, on my knees, we would yeah. do rhythm and different types of rhythm. So I think that, that's a great idea because no matter what you do musically, you're always going to have that foundation, that foundation yeah. of a rhythm, and it applies to everything, man. You know, it That's does. Uh, and we're actually my my wife's a music teacher. Really? Yeah, she teaches here in the Southwest District here in okay. San Antonio, and uh, we have a daughter who's two, and we bought her a drum. My dad bought her a drum set, <laughs> and she plays every day. And and you know, it's, your it's dad crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. When he comes to visit, he just makes sure that you know he's in there with her, working with her, and that's and, awesome. Uh, it's crazy because you see it, you know, she she was like me. She meant she had no chance. She has to play music, you know, <laughs> at least for now. She's, right, she's got to right, do right. it, you know, and she's... So you're, you're playing drums at a young age. At what point uh, did you did you go through the school system at all? I did, but I played trumpet in school. Okay. I played trumpet and trombone through high school and college. Oh, shit. And then I, I played guitar. So before you got nine. into the, the school system, did you play anything? Did you get into guitar before you... Yeah, I was about nine when I started playing guitar. And then that was so about fourth grade, I guess, and started playing, you know, just okay. little so four-chord rotation stuff. Yeah. Great background of playing a lot of different things. Yeah, man, it was it was a crazy experience. You know, I started playing professionally when I was twelve with my family. You make you know, money, so yeah, yeah, which was <laughs> which was crazy. You know, so I, I got to buy a lot of instruments that I still have. You know, and, really, and my parents were not very. Uh, um, Material other than other than instruments, right, you know. So right. I I never wanted like things other than a new drum set or right. a new, you know. And your parents mean? were like, oh, you, as long yeah, as it's musical, yeah, if you're it's okay. Music, okay, yeah, you know. <laughs> so you know, and and I got to give a shout out to my mom who's probably watching because she put up with all of us, you know, practicing in the house and you know I all the time. Can't and, imagine, you know, and and just years of that through even just my dad when they were first together and married, you know, she dealt with all of that and still comes yeah, to my house and watches my kids and deals with my daughter playing the now. Life you know. of a musician, right? Yeah, the family. Yeah, the yeah. Fam if you don't have the, the family support, man. You and and they're the unsung heroes, man. Yeah. You know, they're there when we get home at three, four in the morning yeah. and, and you know, they're there to Are you hungry? You yeah, want tacos? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> man. My wife does that. We have rehearsal at the house and yeah. she cooks for the whole band and oh. you know, bakes and Can does, I go to rehearsal? Anytime, anytime. <laughs> but it really is, you know, it, without that it's I think that when you start looking at at least what I've seen, the the more successful musicians right. that I've met in my life, you know, they really have a strong sense of family and a strong sense of that that home life where they make that balance, you right. know. And uh, but yeah, so growing up like that, man, it was 
it was an awesome experience. And they were so, a premier variety band there, so we got to open for a lot of people. So I got to see a lot of right. bigger shows and, and bigger acts on the American side and the Mexican side. You know, what I mean, we were playing with, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of funk bands. You know, come function the Gap Band. You know. Um, Elder Barge, and then on the opposite side, we were opening for Latin Breed when they came in, right. uh, Jesse Serrata when he came to town, yeah. and, and uh, Little Joe, you know, and just, and so you got to see all this stuff, you know, and then even more on the more Mexican side, you know, uh, Tigres del Norte, right, and the original stuff, Banda Mexican. Limon, you mm-hmm. know, and then Los Lobos, War, El Chicano, all these guys too, so it was just a crazy... Crazy you, mix. Your of family everything. had a good, yeah, uh, good yeah. contact to get yeah, in there. To yeah, house. man, and they've That's, been there for forever. You yeah. know what I mean? So they've established their base there in Northern California. So, you, so. so you're playing drums, guitar at a young age. Uh, when you get into the school system, why did you go to trumpet? My dad, you know, I always thought he was needed, joking. He, need, he needed a trumpet player? He, yeah, he said he said he had kids to have a horn section. Because my sister played also. Okay. She played trumpet, but she never went into the family's band. You know, okay. She, oh, okay. she kind of stopped when she got into high school. And, and, you know, she had other interests. She wanted to sing, and, and she was a cheerleader and did her thing. And, and when I got there, it was just kind of like, you know, he didn't wait to let me get to high school. He said right around 12. And I, okay, well, you know enough now. Let's start... You'll play a couple songs every night, you know, and I, I was playing percussion with the band at the time, uh-huh. you know, I was playing timbales and congas and stuff, and and uh, they'd say, okay, so for these three, four songs, you're going to play horn, you know, and then I think I was about 14 when one night their lead trumpet player just didn't show up, you know, or just quit, or I forgot what happened, and they said, all right, you're up. It's all you. you. Know, that's it, that's <laughs> it's it. all you. <laughs> okay, you know, and then that's actually how I started playing bass, too, their bass player, you know, quit of necessity. And, and we had to go to Colorado. We were doing a little tour and my dad, you know, came home and brought a bass, you know, out of the garage and said, okay. So you were like the Mexican and, Partridge family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with the bus and everything. We had it all, man. It was, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a, a crazy experience, but I think that that really set me up for success in what I do now. Right. Right. Yeah. And in middle school, you're, t- you're playing trumpet and trombone mm-hmm. now. I mean, how was, how was it uh, with dealing with the, the, a band program? So, you know, band programs in California are way different than here. Yeah. You know, I see just even in, in my wife's program when they're, when they're so young, she's teaching concepts that we didn't learn till, right. you know, middle school, high school, you know, yeah. and, and even as competitive as things are here, we're nothing compared to that in California. You know, how marching band and everything, jazz bands were a lot bigger, mm-hmm. you know, but the competition wasn't there. The, the drive wasn't always there. Which is weird because you think California, you think yeah. music, you think, you know, but the, the money wasn't there, you know. So we we had a teacher that was there two, maybe two and a half days of the week, and that teacher had to go to other schools for the other oh, rest of the week, yeah. you know. And that makes it hard for them to focus on. on yeah, that. yeah. So, you know, they get there and they, they're trying, but it's like, okay, they forget, you know, what's going on here because they're running three other bands, too, mm-hmm. you know. But it was it was really cool. In high school, my band director was a big uh, influence on me, and he... He really helped get me to the next level and, and get me into college. And, and I've and, talked and, about and, that. With, I've had a couple of band directors here, and, and, and the importance of the the the, um, the professional musician. Mm-hmm. Almost not all of them, but there's a lot of professional musicians who start in the school program yeah. and are influenced by their band director. Yeah. I know I was. Uh, they they're a big influence on how how you work musically. Because a lot of discipline I learned from high school. And I think for, for people like myself that learn from family, you know, that learn just from your right. grandpa you, playing you or your uncle's playing, things. 
then you learn from somebody who studied and went to school right. and, and is telling you, hey, that's all cool. Use that, but try to do it like this or right. try to try to take these other concepts with you. You know, and that was a thing that I learned from him. And it was uh, just the concept of like, okay, you're good at that. What are you not good at? That's what you need to work on. Mm-hmm. Stop playing what you're good at. Right. You, you do that all the time. Like, you know, you play that every weekend. I tell my students know? all the yeah. Stop playing this song because you already know it. Yeah. Play yeah. the other two, three songs that you don't know. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and he, he really got my mind into a different a different. Was place. this in high school? This is in high school, yeah. And were so, you still playing trumpet in high school? Yeah. I played trumpet in high school and then, and then started picking up trombone going into college. And I played okay. both going into college, so... I went to uh, for a little while to Sac State in California, Sacramento okay. State University. So in high school, did you did you do marching? Did you like the marching stuff? And- I, we did, but it wasn't like here. It wasn't at all really? as uh, um, as structured or anything. You know what I really? mean? And, and our director hated competition, and he he was a jazz guy, so he did marching <laughs> oh, okay. band because His the focus, school required yeah, him to. Right. But our jazz band used to win a lot of awards. We used to go to competitions and do all that <laughs> of course. stuff. Marching band was like, okay, everybody try to be on your left foot. If you if half of you make it all right, like, let's just you know, let's get out of there. Yeah, he try tried, to, yeah. try to make this formation. Yeah, thing, man. he you he tried and, and did it, you know, and and gave it his effort. But at the end of the day, he was like, all right. If it didn't happen, it didn't happen. Right. You know, it, it was, was just, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. But we used to do some real cool halftime shows because he was a jazz guy and, and oh, okay. you know, and, and we used to get these guest artists to come in. So we'd bring the jazz band out on the field and play. And, um, actually during high school, I was taking lessons with, with Mick Gillette, who was trumpet player for Tower Power. Wow. And he had moved into our area from the Bay Area. We were only about an hour, an hour and a half from Oakland, San Francisco. Uh-huh. So he moved out there to the suburbs with his wife and stuff, and he was giving lessons. I took lessons with him for a few years, and we got him to come do a halftime show. <laughs> and we got to play "You're Still the Young Man" and and some other <laughs> oh, tower shit. tunes, you know. And it was it was just crazy, you know. Do you have a recording of that? I, you know, what? I, I we do somewhere. I'll have oh, to find man. it. I'll bring that's, it to that's you. Man. Awesome. It, it was it was awesome. Biggest crowd we ever had at a football game. <laughs> of you know? course, our football team was horrible too, but but that was the highlight. Of, yeah, that was the highlight. So that's yeah, awesome. so high school was great, man. And then going on, you know, I, I went to college. I did I did a year in Sacramento and. It Did, just, was your primary uh, music? Yeah, yeah. It was actually music management. Oh, really? Yeah, but it just wasn't... I mean, as much as I love jazz and stuff, I, I knew that I needed to come out here, man. It was... I wanted to do Tejano. I wanted to do, gotcha. you know... I, I loved when we did it with my band, with my family's band, but we didn't do it all the time. Right. You know, and that was... In the 90s, my family, that was their focus. They did Tejano. They used to come out here, play Rosedale, play, you know, all the festivals, and they were... Sponsored by Coors Light, and they go mm-hmm. all over the place, and it just timing didn't work out for them. You know, right. it was early nineties, and and I mean, you were there mid late nineties. Everything kind of started falling off mainstream, and and yeah. you know they they kind of missed the window of getting in. You know, so when I was growing up, I I heard all that man. I I was there when they were leaving on tours and coming back with you know, all the cassettes and everything and, right. and be here. And, you know, my dad would, he had a little tape recorder that he played in the bathroom where we were brushing our teeth in the morning and play all the newest, you <laughs> know, new Ram and yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. it was, you know. And, uh, um, so let me, let me ask you about that. Yeah. At what age did you figure out, okay, this is the music that I like? I think and when was I was, it, was it the Hummel? I think when I was in, uh, early teens, it was when I decided like that was it. There was, yeah. you know, I mean, like I said, I, I grew up playing all these boleros and everything. Right. And then, I got into the old school, the, the Chicano stuff, you know, Latin breed, yeah. Jesters, all Little Joe, and, and and especially the the bands from San Antonio, 
Latin breed mainly, Rochesters, hearing how they would take boleros and turn them into their style, big horn section, all these jazz chords, all these pasadas, all this crazy stuff. Right. Was just like, just blew my mind, man, because I, I knew these songs already for a good part of my life and played them, you know, slow, 4-4, four, four, and then you hear, you know, Latin breed doing, you know, just this crazy out there stuff, man, and, and it's like... Yeah. You could do that with that, right. like, you know. So, so you just, were you were a fan of the music. Oh yeah, because yeah. it, it's. I know a lot of Tejano people, Tejano musicians who were gravitated to Tejano because that's what paid. Yeah, yeah, and and it's crazy that that <laughs> I learned that when I got here. You know, I moved here and I was so I was nineteen when I moved here and I was oh, just shit. so excited to to be here and meet people and and you know I won't name names but some of the first guys that I met you know at jam sessions and stuff and right. these are guys that I'd seen their names on albums for years and just mm. like idolized everybody you know and I'd go talk to them and 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 be like well what are you doing here you're from over there you should have stayed over there they have better music <laughs> over there you know I said well no I wanted to play the handle like, why <laughs> you're not gonna make any money playing down like oh, it's not you know and it just like blew my mind that they were you know even a lot of the old school guys you know yeah. that i've talked to that say well you know even guys with with road gestures and all this stuff well we did it because that was what was the trend then you know we right. were all doing rock and roll before you know right. that's what we like to do mm-hmm. we like to do soul and rock and roll but the chicano thing was happening and we made more money so we you know so it blows my mind to think that they were able to do that just because they thought, oh, well, we'll put a record together because, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. Then, I mean, a lot of us get, I mean, I'm, I was a rocker. I grew up, yeah. my first love is rock and roll. But I also grew up with my mom listening to Motown mm-hmm. and my dad listening to Conjunto music. So, I, and my, my grandpa would listen to country music. So, yeah. I had a, a wide extent as well of what I listened to. But my my love was rock and roll yeah. all the time. But and when I got in high school, you start going to Quinceanera, start going to those things, and then you see Tejano bands. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. And then you start listening to it, and, oh, I can play that. That's not too bad. And yeah. And just, oh. yeah. Then you get in your first band, it's like, okay, then you get the next band. It's like, oh, I guess this is what I do yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess it was similar, you know, because I had been playing all that stuff already. Yeah. It was just at a different level. You know, this was, this was what I wanted to do, this kind of music, at the level that people from here did. I mean, we did it good. Right. But it's a, it's the same if you go vice versa, you know, the way that, that we play Chicano rock, Santana, Malo, all that mm-hmm. stuff, that style over there, guys from here don't play it the same. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You go over there and it's those guys do it right because that's where it comes from. Right. You know what I mean? So that was the same for me. I, I wanted to do Tejano and we did it really well, but we didn't do it how San Antonio does it or how right. Texas does it. And that's what I wanted to learn and that's what I wanted to do. So that's when I, you know, I told my parents, you know, I, I got to go. I, I was going to quit school and come over here. That's and they're crazy. like, my dad was just like not very happy with me at the time. He understood because he had the same dream, but he's like, man, you got to finish school. Just to, right. And, and, you know, in my head, it was like, well, man, I, I feel like I have a real small window of being this right. young and this ready and this, this able to just go sleep on somebody's couch and, right. and do what I got to do. Can't you know, really do to, that. Can't yeah. really do that at 45. And <laughs> yeah. You know, and even now, you know, I'm 29 and I have two kids. I'm married. Right. You know, I couldn't do that now. Right. You know, luckily I passed all that and got to the point that yeah. I'm at, you know, but I needed to do it then, you know, and I, I just had this big feeling that I needed to do it. School would always be there. My grandfather went back to school in his 40s. Wow, you know, okay. Got his master's degree. He's a professor still at the university wow. over there. So same grandfather that, that taught that us. Played, play. the, the. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was just that was always my example to say, 
well, no, I can still go do that later, but I'll never be 19 again and able to just go and, and gig, you know, and, and eat peanut butter and jelly and right, right. Do whatever you, I got to do. That's you know, the time the, to yeah. do it, right? Yeah. If you're going to do it, do it yeah. right then and there. I want to yeah. give a shout out to the, the people on the Facebook, uh, my, um, Andy is a good, Rachel Reles, Roger Stack, Steve Perez, Jay Martinez, Ronnie Saldana, Richard Sainz, Alejandro, Alejandra, and Rosenda Hernandez. Orale, Mike, big congrats on Love 45. 12 members took oh, me a while you. on Mike, the one, two, and three, but finally found out who, who was who. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maria Val, Valtierrez. Ooh, la, la, love La 45. Cristina Torres, shout out to my talented nephew. Uh, so everybody join us on Facebook, uh, Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions for Mike, Please put them in the, in the comments there, and I'll try and get to them as, as soon as possible so you can check it out. And Christina is one of the ones in the band. She's my, my oh, okay. aunt who plays. She plays percussion and keyboards and sings. And Yeah, so she's she's uh, one of the ones we're talking about. Oh, okay, okay. So let's get back to um, you moved to San Antonio, 19 years old. What uh, what do you do? Who do you, who do you go see? You know, I, I don't have any family here. All, all my family's in California, both sides of my family. Uh-huh. they Both sides, my grandparents, everybody still lives in the same little town, you know. So they were all very worried when I left, you know. Of course. But I had um, my sister's best friend from high school moved out here. So I called her and I said, Alex, is there any way, you know, I could just crash with you for a little while? And I knew her all growing up. And, right. You know, they're they're about eight years older than me. So she was already established here and her family moved out here. And, and uh, she let me come stay with her. And, and that put everybody to ease, you know, that I was coming out. Did you and have anything lined up, like a job or no, anything? No, nothing, nothing. You, you literally know. just picked up and left. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't even have a car. I rode the train. I rode the Amtrak <laughs> over here, and it was, it was that was a. Yeah, I could probably write a short story just on wow. that experience riding over, you know, and, and uh, got to Sunset Station about three in the morning and had to call from a payphone because I had just a little cell phone that only had like regional service in right. California, you know, so I had to call Alex and tell him, Hey, I'm here. You oh know, my God. I can't, up. I can't imagine <laughs> doing that. That's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I just packed, you know, a few bags and my, my guitar, I packed my guitar and I think a bass and, and, and I packed uh just clothes and, you know, laptop and <laughs> you just camera. left that's... Yeah, yeah yeah it was it i know it's it's pretty stupid looking back no, no, to it. No, no. That, it, it, you know it's just crazy bad that's stories and uh stayed and and started just trying to go out and you know so what was one of the first things you did was just go to jam sessions uh, or did you go did, the first did thing any context? the first thing that i did was uh, actually use craigslist and put it out there that i was here and you know if anybody and and i actually hooked up with some bands here that played um all cumbias, the Colombian uh-huh, bands, yeah. and I was still, I had my horn with me too. I brought my horn, so I, I played trumpet for the first while that I was here in some bands, and then uh, started trying to go to jam sessions. And George Rivas had a bar on Blanco. He still has, always has a different right, bar, but right, right. This one was on Blanco, and, and uh, I went to a, a show at the church. I can't remember what it's called, but it's right off of I ten and like Fresno Hildebrand, right there. Uh-huh. There's that Catholic church that has festivals every year. Yeah. They all do. And, yeah, all yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's right there off of I-10. So anybody okay. from here probably would know what I'm talking about. And it was Ram and, and Sonny Osuna played. And I went and, and I had met this other guy who was a drummer. And uh, we were hanging out, you know, and, and we went to go check that out. And there was a there was a little, just, a, just no picture, no nothing, just typed on a paper, you know, musician's jam after the show, George's place, you know. So I went over there and, or we both went and, 
we walked in and Ruben Ramos was there, George Rivas was playing, Richard Solis was playing, and are you just Steve like, Roth, and I walked shit. in and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh no, I can say it right. Yeah, you can do what you want. I was just like, oh man, like you just Ralph Sines was there, Jorge Alejandro was there, you know, all these guys, and, and then uh, you know we're sitting there, Ram shows up, Sunny Osuna shows up, everybody's just hanging out, you know, and. I just, I, I don't even remember if I talked to anybody that night, but we walked in and uh, my friend brought in his stick bag because he's like, well, it's a jam. We we didn't think they were going to be there, you know, right, so right. we just walked in and, <laughs> and uh, George was like, hey, so you guys play? You want to get up and, and do something? And yeah, let's, you know, of course, whatever, you know. So I always credit George as being the first guy to let me get on stage and sing because he got me up there and we did a Malacabeza by Latin Breed and him on keyboards and... and Ralph, Steve Roth, Richard Solis, and I just, I wish I had a better memory of that, that <laughs> moment. It was just so much, like, a lot you know, of stuff just crazy, yeah, like... just, you know, and it was a small place. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it was just, everybody was just in there, just hanging out, and, and you know, I had never even seen most of these guys in person ever. Yeah, but you, you, you knew know, of but them. But I knew who like, they were, and, and videos, and, you know, and just to see them all, all together was just like, oh, man, I knew that I had made the right choice you know, to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was there every week at George's place, really? you know, just anytime they had a jam or any band when I wasn't playing, I was there and got in with some of these guys. And then I started doing just little fill in stuff. Right. And then, uh, started building my first band, which is here, which is the, well, they were called the Grooveland Chicano band. I tell and, a lot of people, man, it's, it's, you know, you gotta have, you gotta be able to play. Yeah. For yeah. one, but 90% of it is, who you know? You yeah, know, just yeah. I mean, you, you if you can play your instrument, it's no use if you don't know anybody. Yeah, you and know? you just got to get out there and do right. it, and just you know, just get out and say hi, shake hands, and and you know, just stick around until yeah. they till they till <laughs> you're <laughs> annoying enough that they're like, all right, come on, you can, uh, you can play this. Yeah, come on, but, you have your horn you know, out already. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you've been standing there for twenty minutes. Just come, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, it was just like you know this this year year and a half where. I just got to see all these guys come so through there. Did you start yeah. your first band that, that first year? Uh, I think either the first year or the second year. Yeah, but I, I actually had met uh, John Ontiveros. He was a trumpet player for Little Joe mm -hmm. uh, when I was still living in California. Little Joe okay. came and we went to see a show yeah. and, and stuff. And my dad and my grandpa have known Joe for 40 years. You know, yeah. they've been opening for him since the late 70s. And so we went to some shows that they had and. and uh, when I moved into town, John had a studio or has a studio in Big Spring, Texas, in uh -huh. West Texas. So he said, "Well, hey man, come up and and do some work. You know, I, I'll I'll hire you to do some tracks." And I still didn't have a car, so he sent me on the Greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> I would go with all my stuff and get on the Greyhound and go. You know, that's, it's not that far, but on the right, Greyhound right. it take like eight hours, yeah, nine hours to stop every hour. Or yeah, and do you know spend spend like a week there and record a bunch of stuff for different projects, and then. That got my name out there too, and so yeah. I was doing other stuff. And then he had a band that played fanfare, so I met some other musicians from here. So then I started putting together a band, you know, and we played and and uh, put out an album, put out one full album and an EP. Okay. And um, that's where I met my wife. She played with us, you know, really? in that first band, yeah. What did she play? She played sax and sang with us. Nice. And most of the guys were from Texas State, they were in San Marcos, they were okay. going to school. So and, that's how I And met you were front in the band? Yeah, playing bass, and, and then towards the end, I was playing guitar. Yeah, I was playing guitar for a while and singing. 
And then uh, did your wife give you the goo goo eyes on stage? Or? I I never saw it there, but I saw it on video later. <laughs> no, no, but we we uh, uh, had the band, and it was you know four piece horn section, two saxes, two trumpets. We did a lot of old school stuff, and and uh, played some around here. You mm-hmm. know, tried to stay busy, and I was still playing with other bands, and and then uh, I actually got a call to play with uh, Joel Guzman, and I went to play bass with him for about a year. Okay. And that was uh, just another next level experience for anybody. I know he's been out of the game for a while for right. Tejanos, so Tejanos may not remember, but you know he was just huge in building the sound of the '90s and the late '80s. Mm-hmm. You know, for everybody, and um, he really changed my my mindset for playing in terms of like you know a lot of times you go with Tejano bands and they're like, oh, it's in G, yeah, we're gonna start, you know, just let's, right. let's go, you know, this is it. And playing with him was like, no, 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 man, it, you know, you got to play what you played last time. Like, this is, this isn't just a jam. Like, you have a part to play here and it fits in to everything else that's going on right. here. So, you know, you can't just reinvent everything every night. You know, it's got to kind of be consistent. You know, right. there was room for spontaneity. There was room for, for deviation, but the majority of the time you had a part and that's what you played. Right. You know? And uh, we did a PBS special with him and uh, Little Joe and Ruben Ramos. We did this special in Austin at the mm-hmm. at the old Austin City Limits stage, right, right. You know, which was another crazy experience. And you know, you're standing on there, and you know that's where everybody, you know, Steve Ray Vaughan, Steve right, Jordan, right. Ray I, Charles, all these guys. That, you know, I would love to have done that. And they don't even cool? use that stage anymore. You yeah, know, they they built a new one, right? And they have the piano that, that, you know, that Ray Charles played and stuff, and there's mm-hmm. shit stacked on top of it and whatever. They don't even, you know, it's like, man, that should be in a museum. Like, you know. And that was a great experience. But with Joel, we were doing eight-hour rehearsals, man, to make sure that this was like, you know. Really? Eight hours? Yeah. We'd do, we'd do full days, you know, and break for lunch, come back, do it again. And it was the same set. We'd just keep running it and tightening it up and doing things because it was going to be you know, it was going to be televised and it's still on. You can still find it on the PBS website. It's called uh, Vamos al Baile. And it, it was just like, uh, you know, in his mind and, and it's, it's true. This was something that was going to be documented forever. Right. And, and we needed to show the best of, of our music, you know, not Joel Guzman's music, but of Chicano music. That's what right. it was about, you know? And when you're going up with little Joe and Ruben Ramos, these guys, mm-hmm. you know, have great bands and we had to be at that level too, you know? And that really, to this day, I still think like that now, that he changed it. And then after being with him for a year is when I got the call to go with Little Joe. And you and, know what? Before we get into Little Joe, yeah. it, it's uh, nowadays, everything is filmed. Somebody has a recording yeah. of it. Somebody yeah. has a document of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why you, you can't afford to sound like shit. You can't. Uh, and credit to, to him for taking and understanding that, that yeah. once it's on tape, there's no going back. There's not you know, something like that. Yeah. something live like that on, and, on and, ACL. You know, he he is an amazing, amazing musician. You know, for for anybody who hasn't had the chance to play with him, I mean, he's known all over the world as a, as a just you know this epic accordion player. You know, but he's also just a great piano player, jazz piano player, classical mm-hmm. player. He can do it all. And I did a gig with him doing a salsa band, and he was there, and you know. You would have thought he was Cuban or Puerto Rican. Right, he right, had it right. just so natural, you know. And as a teacher, he was really, really cool. You know, as a mentor teacher, like it was never very formal. 
but I learned so much there, you know, from him just stepping aside and saying, hey, man, you should really think about doing this or, or you know, try this, you know, and even just crazy stuff in, in rehearsal. Like, we did this song that uh, um, it was uh, Lydia Mendoza, because his wife sings with him, Sarah Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we did a song called Mal Hombre. You know, we did a cover of it, and, and um, I didn't have a five-string at the time. And he's like, well, just... Um, why don't you just tune the tune the top one down? Leave the other ones and just just you know detune it. Yeah, just detune the top one so you could just get those certain. There were just a couple notes that we wanted to be really low, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was like you know it was, it was weird because the rest the you know the top three strings were still the same. It right. was just the bottom one that was real off, and it was like man, I would have never thought to do something like just to get the sound that he wanted. And he was big into that, you know, with our drummer Zeke Galvan was our drummer mm-hmm. then. And, you know, just the kind of things that he would tell him to, even though he wasn't, he played drums, but he wasn't really a drummer. Joel wasn't. Right. But, hey, man, what if you tried this? Or what if you, what if you, you know, um, you know, uh, wrap, wrap the end of your stick in, in, in a sock and some duct tape, man, and use that instead of the mallet, like, to get the, <laughs> that kind of dense sound that he right. wanted, you know, because the mallets weren't cutting it. That wasn't what he wanted. It just sonically... He wasn't His afraid mind, to get, yeah. to try different things to get what he needed. And he yeah. knew what he wanted. Yeah. You know, he, and it he was, already had it. He already heard it. So it was cool to How see that. How did we get there? Yeah, it was cool to see that because I feel like there were a lot of times where things didn't sound like I wanted it to sound, but I didn't think, or it's like, well, nope, that's, that's what he has. That's what we're playing. So that's it, you know, where he was just like, no, 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 we can figure this out. We can make it what we want it to right. be, you know. And, and he did that when he was in Little Joe, you know, when he was with La Familia in the 70s. You know, they were some of the first bands to have those early synthesizers and stuff, mm-hmm. and they were changing the sound, you know, and, and you hear the stuff that they did, and you're like, man, that's still a good five years before the other people were doing it, right. you know, and and he was he was that sound, and again, then he comes with Ram in the 80s and all this stuff, and, you know, so that was a crazy, beautiful experience to learn good, from him. Yeah, a good learning experience, and yeah. take and that. Then it, then it's that, for the put that in your put yeah. that in your bag and hold on up to all the stuff there. Yeah. So they call you from talking about Little Joe. You get the call from Little Joe during this time. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was actually right around this time of the year. And you replaced you know, um, Jesus, Jesus Gaitan, Chewy, Chewy. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I, I, we used to play yeah, a lot. We used to play yeah. a lot with the, with Joe and the casinos, and and he was always really super nice. To well, him. he he's from Tucson, uh-huh. and and unfortunately, his mom and his brother both got real sick right around Thanksgiving a couple years ago, about uh-huh. five, four or five years ago. So John called me, John and Gracie, the trumpet players called and said, Hey man, you know, we need somebody for this weekend. Chewy had to go home. His mom's in the hospital. Can you play? This was on a Tuesday and they called and said, can you play? We're playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I said, shit. Yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> of course. It, yeah. Little Joe, you know, and, and my band had been opening up for them a little bit around, you know, Texas and stuff. And, and I've known Joe forever too. Yeah. So it was just like, a, yeah, it would be a great experience, you know? And I told him, well, what are you guys going to play? You know, I don't know, man. Uh, Joe just kind of calls it on the fly. And I'm like, well, okay, but, you know, there has to be. <laughs> right. There's got to be some, some ones that he plays you know, every yeah. night. And what are the ones he plays well, every night? Well, I mean, it, it really just depends, man, you know, on what he's going to do. I'm like, okay, well, can you send me? I got, I got like the obvious stuff, you know, in my own collection. Right. Send me in the weird stuff, you know. So John sent me a link to a Dropbox folder and I open it and there's like 60 MP3s. <sighs> A full DVD and then a bunch of links to videos. And, and he said, I know we're going to start with, I know we're going to start with, uh, um, America the Beautiful. And then he's going to do 
this other opener that he does after that, it's kind of up for grabs, man. I'm like, okay, well, at least that's something, you know. <laughs> right. Thursday night we played at Club Rio in Corpus, and Joe told me, hey, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go slow, you know, give you time to talk to Tom, the guitar player, right. Tom Cruise, you know, get the key, get everything, you know, and figure it out and. And sound check was horrible that day. The sound man was just not, you know, stuff was going wrong. So we didn't get to work through stuff. And so he's like, oh, we'll just take it easy, you know. And he did for the first set and, and it went well. So the second set we're going on, he's like, all right, well, you got it. Right. We're going to just go, you know. You did so well. The first yeah. One, yeah. You'd be all right. This and, and, you know, Tom, me and Tom are real good friends now and stuff. And I still give him a hard time because, you know, that first day, Chewy had been there for 14 years. Yeah. You know, he was there for a long time. So that first day, you know, they're calling out songs. I'm like, Tom, uh, what key, what key? Uh, mm. And then Joe's like counting off and we're hitting the first chord, you know, and he's like, oh, it's an A. I'm like, well, yeah, now that I've, you know, gone all over the place to find you it. Pull you pull know. it up. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know. And and it's, you know, it was just like a crazy, I, I sweat through every piece of clothing I had on that day, you know, because it was just nerve-wracking. It was fun. But, you know, second set comes and, and Joe announced that I was filling in and, you know, oh, he's doing a great job. So we're going to throw something out there to see if he can follow us. And I had tried to listen to everything on the list that they sent. And he called out, you know, La Llorona Loca, which they don't even really play, you know. And <laughs> But one guy in the but, band knows but, it. So yeah, but right. Tom knew it because he's been there since 1973. You know? So Joe's flipping through the book and everybody's trying to find it. And, you know, we go and it, and it turned out okay, but he just got this sick pleasure of watching us all squirm, right, you know, to right. see, you know, and, and they didn't tell me what the gigs were when I, when I said, yeah, you know, they just said Thursday through Sunday. Right. So Thursday we played there, Friday and Saturday are kind of a blur. I don't remember where we were at, but Sunday we played and I, I still like, it's just a, again, a crazy thing. We played the 25th anniversary for KXTN at Freeman Coliseum, you know, so I had three days to prep to be in front of the <laughs> however many thousand right. there, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just, uh, Joe doesn't care. I, I was going to ask there, you that. You so know. I was going to ask you that. So you're, you're, you know, kind of struggling. You mm -hmm. know the tunes, but yeah. you're, anytime you jump in like that, mm -hmm. it, it's a struggle yeah. and you're, yeah. you're under pressure. How was he? Was was he like getting pissed off, or was he just okay with it? Like he, he understood. His, his big thing is, you know, if you play wrong notes, they pass. It's over. It's fine. Mm -hmm. If you mess up the groove and you mess up the flow of the show, that hurts the the overall show more than a wrong note here right. and there. You know, so his thing was like, you know, hey, just don't 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 fuck up the groove, and you're all right, right. man. You know, if you missed that that little passing chord that everybody else did, you didn't mess up the groove. It's okay. You know, you, you, we passed it. It's fine. You know, his thing was all about feeling. And, and still that's his, that's his main thing is like, you know, if it feels right, then it sounds right. Whether you right. played exactly what you're supposed to or not, the feel was there. So everybody else is going to feel that too, you know, versus if you break that feel, you break that groove, it becomes broken. Then people start noticing, you know, Especially if they're dancing, and you're right. like, "Well, what, what are they doing up there? You know, what's what's going on?" So he was was cool. I was of course sweating bullets. Yeah, we're know? critical of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and Tom Cruise is is hilarious, man, because he he 
you know, we'll, we'll be playing and, and uh, for anybody watching the playing and, and, you know, you miss a line right down Hill Street, you look like, what was that? Yeah. And then he'll smile at you after, but for that second, you're like, oh my God, I just ruined the little Joe show. Like, you know, Tom Cruise just told me I suck, you know, like with his eyes, you know, and, and he did, then he'd smile and be like, ah, you'll get it next time. You know, whatever. We used to do that too, because Emilio would get like pissed off, whatever, hit her on note, but he, he, if he didn't know who it was, he would turn around. And if he looked at me, I would just look at somebody else. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it went like over this way and now we're like, what are you doing? You know, I one put of the, the blame ones, somewhere else. One of the best ones I saw was uh, Mario Vigil. You know, he's from Austin and a great musician, plays everything. Yeah. And I saw him playing bass. The first time I saw him, he was playing accordion with Eddie Gonzalez. Next time I saw him, he was playing bass with, with Ruben Ramos. And then I saw him playing guitar with Gary Hobbs. Anyway, he's, <laughs> he's a badass, but he was playing with, uh, with Ruben Ramos and, and Ruben's drummer, Chris Rivera, is very, you know, you make a mistake, he shoots you the look quick. Right. You know, and I've sat in with them, jammed with them, and he, you know, we did a cruise together and stuff, and he's like, as soon as you mess up, he's on you, like, hey, you know. <laughs> and uh, Mario missed something, and, and Chris looked at him, and, and Mario looked back and just kicked his amp. Like, Sorry, man. You know, like, it's the amp. He's messing up again. Always you know, put the blame yeah, somewhere yeah. else. For any of you starting musicians, yeah. always put the blame yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello to uh, Carlos Salazar, the musical, Albert Casanova, Billy O'Rourke, Leonard Guerra, George Romero says, like, 45, keep moving forward, bro. You're doing a great thank job. You, Yvette Navida, Robert Casillas, all the people on Facebook Live, thank you for joining us. If you have any questions, compliments, this dude's a bad dude. Oh, thank so. you. Man. Robert Casillas is our recording player with La 45 too, man. The young cat? Yeah, yeah, from here. He's like child prodigy accordion player from here. From I knew his dad. Yeah. And okay. he, 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 uh, I didn't know he was playing with you He's a, a mariachi, yeah. too. Like, he plays everything. He went to UNT. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's awesome, man. He's just Robert. Good to see you, brother. I'm glad you're doing well. Um, yeah, and 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 yeah, I know. Yeah, everybody here knows him, man. Yeah. Him and Chris Villanueva, our keyboard player, too, man. Another guy that everybody's like. And you got a new guy too, uh, Joe. Joe um, Congas. Uh, no, that's his son, Michael. Michael. Yeah, I don't know why I said Joe. I know Mike. Yeah, I know why I yeah. said Joe. Sorry, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know no, Mikey. I play with Mikey yeah. sometimes. Okay, so your 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 first weekend with Little Joe, it's just like, oh my god, what the hell am I doing? It's it's just, it's super stressful, right? Yeah, Especially yeah. because you got what four days playing with them, and, you, and you're playing and two the days last. notice. Yeah, it was it was oh crazy, you know, and it was it was. Did, awesome. any, did anybody rehearse with you before that? No, or, no, we show, didn't have just time. Show and play? Yeah, we didn't have time, and and it was just like you know. Just go do and 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 for them it was like it was kind of an emergency spot. You know, Chewy had yeah. to take off, so it's like look. He knows, you know, John and Gracie went up to bat for me and said, he knows the style. He's a big fan, you know, and, and Joe knew me too. So it was just yeah. an easy, like, okay, yeah, he can, he can handle the weekend, you know. So you weren't then, in the band. You were no, just no, no. This was just while Chewy was, okay. was there. Then unfortunately his brother passed away oh. after that towards the end of the year. And, you know, he decided, you know, my mom's still sick. I think it's time to go back and be with take, my parents, you know, family, I'll take yeah. care of my family. And, um, so they called me New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, you know, I guess was the, was the, he decided and told them and, yeah. and they really didn't have anything until the end of January. So New Year's Day, they called, Tom Cruise called me, you know, and I was in California and, uh, they said, Hey man, you know, if you want the gig, you know, you can have it. And then I said, of course, of course. You know, yeah. no, no, no <laughs> question, you know, it's just, so, uh, yeah, January January first, I officially became part what, of the band. Year? You know, of twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah, and it was uh, just a crazy, 
crazy time, man. We, we got we got in. I we got back to town and and I went to rehearse with Tom Cruise and and you know Tom Cruise uh, is another one like Joel, man. That it just you know I spent four years on the road with him now. He just totally opened my mind to so many different things, you know. And, and what we're doing with the band now is a big product of of what I've learned from Tom. You know, from everybody that I learned from, but yeah. I mean. It, a very direct product of what I've learned from Tom there, you know, his, his, uh, his mentality towards music was the same like Joel, you know, and they were there together at the same time in La Familia, you know, so right. they, they, they grew that together while they were younger and, and, you know, he told me, I, I forgot which band we were talking about, but when we first got in there again, it was about the, you know, this isn't a jam, you have a part to play, right. you know. And he said, you go see any big rock band that's touring, you know, you go see them five nights in a row. The guitar solo is going to be the same five mm-hmm. nights in a row. Set, the set's going to be the same. Where gonna they, be the same. Where they stand, they'll probably yep. be the same. Where what, the same the, what the front man says in yep. between songs. All the patter. Same. Everything's going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And if you saw them every night of that tour, you could probably count the deviations from that original yeah. set that they yeah. did. And, you know, that's what we needed to strive for with Joe because... Joe's at that kind of level where, you know, we're putting on a show. This isn't, this isn't, you know, just playing at a Hamaika or playing over, right. you know, people dance to his music. Yes. But there's more people that are standing there just watching what we're doing, you know, when we play mm-hmm. and we have to present the same quality of show every night, you know, and the way you do that is quality control is, is yeah. playing the same thing. You know, exactly. you know what you're going to do and you do it all the time. And, you know, I, I really take that into what we're doing now with La Cuarenta y Cinco. And, and we do a lot more of the spontaneous stuff. And we do a lot more, we have a lot more give and take with what we do. So let's talk yeah. about the La Cuarenta y Cinco. You started, this is your band. Uh, well, it's me and John Ontiveros, trumpet player, and Zeke Galvan. Okay. We started it. Okay. Um, it actually started, you know, with, with Tom Cruise. We were doing just when Joe was off. We would go play okay. just some little restaurants and just stuff, to keep man, just to keep fun. playing, yeah. and, and just because you know it was it was Friday, and we could either be home doing nothing, or we could go make some money and right. play. You know, we, we're leaving Tuesday. Well, let's just go a day early and go play somewhere. You know, and uh, then it started into fanfare of last year or of this year, right? Twenty seventeen. Um, they they had some openings, and you know, some of the guys called today. Hey, well, do you do you want to? play, you know, called John and said, do you guys want to put a band together and just take a slot just because we you know, yeah. have some slots? And so we said, cool. And we started calling some guys and we did two rehearsals and did the gig. And then after that, it was like, you know, we had a lot of good response and decided, okay, well, maybe we should keep these guys so together. So was your to goal it, you know? to keep the, because it's, it's, it's almost, ha- it almost has the same style as Joe's style. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? As far as the setup uh, stage-wise, as yeah. far as instrument, yeah. instrumentation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... Well, with my first band, the same thing. You know, it was big horn section, old you're school. Fan of the know? Yeah, that was just what what I love still, you know, yeah. and and I'm a, I'm a vinyl collector, old Chicano vinyl stuff, uh-huh. so when we hang out at my house, the guys come over, we put on, you know, Latin Breed or Little Joe yeah. or Roberto Pulido or whatever it is, you know, all the old stuff, yeah. you know. So for anybody listening, if you're selling any Tejano vinyl, I'm, I'm buying it. <laughs> there you go. But, get a hold of my uh, Yeah. But, but, you know, so that's that's not a sound that you hear all the time, you know. And it's not a sound that um, that is easy to replicate, 
and that was that was part of the appeal for us too. Was like we want right. to do this stuff because it's it's challenging. You know, not that any other form of tejano isn't challenging, right. but just for us, that was that was the route that we chose to go. You know, and, and to and, me, if you're able to do it well, because it's not. I mean, you can put together that instrumentation and kind of create it. Yeah. But unless you know the style, unless you know the, the old Chicano style, yeah. it's it's hard to replicate. It is. And, and again, going back to to Tom Cruise and, and everything having its its place, you know, when you have 10, 11 guys playing, it can't be chaos. It has right. to be everything fits into everything else, you mm-hmm. know. And you're, you're, what you play on bass right here directly affects the chord that the horns are playing, mm-hmm. which directly infect, affects the inversion that the keyboard player's playing. And that creates that unique sound that, that comes from an orchestra, you know. Right. It's not just C, G, and F, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you know, extensions and, and you're playing nines, you're playing thirteens, you're playing alternate bass chord, you know, and, and the horns are playing, you know, syncopation against what you're doing. And right. you have an accordion player who's playing something else and three-part harmonies in the vocals and, and all that needs to mesh correctly. Yeah. And we, we used to talk about that with, when I was teaching. It's like... It's not so much about what you play; it's about what you don't play yeah, and how yeah. you, you, you. The the big, the important thing we used to talk about was uh, the most important part of your instrument is your ears. Because yeah. if you're not paying attention to what's going around you, you're gonna fall on your face. I mean, yeah. you really gotta listen to what everybody's doing, not just yourself. And in a bigger group, you know that yeah. gets more difficult. Mm-hmm. And so, what helps is when you do your part, you know. And then you always have the few guys that you know are the guys that that are doing all the deviation. They're filling in every crack, right. you know, that, that you have there, you know, and that for us, that is our keyboard player and accordion player, you know, and myself and the guitar player, Joaquin, we're, we're pretty solid. And then Joaquin will throw in his stuff too, you know, which for anybody who, I'm sure a lot of people remember Joaquin Cura from being lead singer with David Ligarza for mm-hmm. some years. And, you know, <laughs> we, we brought him in to play guitar and he just blew everybody's mind. I and mean, he's just <laughs> an amazing guitar player. And he learned from his grandfather, who's an amazing okay. guitar player. And, uh, you know, so when people see us live, they recognize a lot of the guys up there, but not in the capacity that they're used to seeing them. So, know. with like one of the single, are you putting out original stuff? Or are you we are. We are. We're have, working on an album. You, or? No, we haven't okay. yet. We're working on an album. We're signed with VMB Music Group. Okay. So, we got an album that's going to be coming out at the end of next year. Nice. And we're doing now some is original it gonna be stuff. The old it is. It's going to be a mix. New stuff with the old feel. Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be, we're hoping that it's going to be something that appeals to the older Chicano crowd and the younger Chicano crowd too. I mean, we, we do, you know, some, some, uh, hardcore old school stuff on yeah, there. I heard some stuff and, and I'm like, Oh my God, you play that song. Yeah. And, and then we like, do some other stuff. That's a little more, you know, we're doing a cover of, uh, Amor de Madrugada from David Lee with the horn sections, oh, okay. you know? So it's like, that's a little more contemporary. I saw know. a medley on YouTube a little while ago uh, with all the old school medley. Uh, yeah. What's the yeah, first Latin yeah. breed song? You uh, we did a, a Mala, Mala Cabeza. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, that brings up memory. My mom used to have a Latin breed CD with oh, yeah. Jimmy Edwards. Yeah. And I said, oh, my God, that guy's voice is amazing. <laughs> Jimmy Edwards is, is my number one, man. He's still, he's still you know. Still, can it was sing, just so you know? unique, you know, yeah. to hear. And then with that band, you know, for the yeah. era, and then on top of that, when you when you hear the not the not the greatest hits, but when you hear like the actual albums in in, in their entirety, right. you hear that these guys were doing just like Little Joe, like all these guys weren't doing just rancheras and cumbias, like they were doing 
English stuff. They were yeah. doing mambo. They were doing all this stuff, you know, and, and, and that's where we are, you know, and that's why, that's why my first band was called, you know, Grooveland Chicano Band. And, and we still, you know, with La Cuarenta Cinco, we're calling it Chicano music, not Tejano music. Right. Not that I we like, have anything against that. I like that. You know, no. but it's just, we do other stuff. You know, if you see us live, we play Tower Power, we play Bruno Mars, you know, and we play Latin Breed and we play Cumbias and we play, you know, whatever that, that speaks to us. And we know that that speaks to everybody else who's like us too, you know. Let me ask you something because you listen a lot, like you said, the old vinyl. Yeah. yeah. Do you, because I was just thinking about it right now, it's like, do you, you notice the, the drums are different? Yeah, from the older. The way they, you know, they yeah, do a lot yeah. of, uh, are you, there, there's are you, a bounce on the snare drum, right? Man, that's just like this. You know, are you taking those little things and, and, and bringing well, them? Well, and our, our drummer is Zeke Galvan, who was, was with Joel, and then we brought him in with little Joe, you know, so he, he has that style down, you know, and he's a big fan of Rick Reyes and, you know, Richard Solis and, and those guys, that was their invention, man. They, they that, created yeah, that. that sound, just, you know? just something small like that makes yeah. that whole style just come to life. It does. And there's a lot of little stuff like that that we try to incorporate that's like, you know, for for maybe for the average listener, you wouldn't be able to pick out exactly what right. it was that we were doing. But hopefully you'll be able to tell that, oh, man, they play different than this conjunto plays, you know. And and it'll give you that sense of of, you know, oh, man, they're playing something else, something different. And we played some places here in town when we got together. We were playing some little bars downtown and stuff just to, just to cut our teeth as a group and work right. out some stuff. And, you know, we had younger people our age, you know, twenties. Hey, man. So what do you, what well, do you guys call your, this? Your uh, age. Yeah. But <laughs> 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 they'd say, oh, well, what, what is this kind of music? What do you guys call this style that you play? You know, and we're playing Latin breed or Royal Jester stuff. Yeah. And, you know, like, what do you call it, man? That's awesome. You know, and it's, it, it just speaks to the fact that something that we've known and felt for a long time was that this music just isn't presented enough to people anymore. You know, there aren't really many orchestras around. Yeah. The ones that are, are legacy acts. They have their fans. They built their fans 40 years ago. And that's, that's great. They're not necessarily speaking to a younger crowd or to a newer crowd. How do you do that? How do you do it without losing the style? Well, that's proof right there. When these people walked up and said, what do you call this? Cause we really like it. Right wasn't that they they you know heard something that was just mind blowing it was good music we didn't invent it right you know it was just presented to them and they got to hear it and they so just, exposure you know, yeah it's exposure, it just needs more exposure yeah. and, and we need more bands to do it for one and it's the packaging too man you know and this is nothing against anybody that's doing it but you know younger people want to see younger people play yeah things you know, they're attracted to people, anybody, you're, you're, you're attracted to people your own age that are doing stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? You relate more to people your own age just all around. Cause you feel like you're going through the same things. You've been through the same things or you're heading in the same direction. So to see a band of, of 10 guys, 12 guys who are under 30 playing this stuff, you know, the, the reception, they, they become a little more open to it than if, you know, they're seeing, an older band playing at a Jamaica that, that yeah. their grandparents are going to hear, you know, or their parents are going to hear or whatever it is, you know, but the music's no different. Right. You know, and it's the same thing that, that Bruno Mars was doing a couple albums ago. You know what I mean? He's playing all this stuff that just sounds Motown, man, even now. Yeah. You know, he's doing the funk stuff. That's like, dude, you can, you know, for anybody who listens to that stuff and he says it himself, you can pick out 10 songs from the eighties and, <laughs> and funk, and you can hear where he's taking it from, yeah. you know, obviously. Yeah. And, but you know, what's happening, it's a hit on the radio because he's young. He's, he's yeah. you know, 
he put he put his relatable. own twist on it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same kind of sound. Yeah, but it's got his twist on yeah. it. Maybe, and he's relatable. Yeah. He's relatable to that generation. So that's what we're hoping that we can accomplish too with this. And and you know, it's not about um, it's not about money. It's not about fame. It's about this is what we like to play. Man. Right. And, and the whole band's on the same page. You know, which is a rare thing to find too for that many people. Yeah. You know. And I mean, just to get that many people to show up to rehearsal. Right. Time, I was going to say organizing you know, that. Yeah. We had trouble yeah. organizing five people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Irene, you know, I'm sorry. Irene Nena Gonzalez. Who's that? Uh, she's a, she's a DJ and a family friend from back so home. So proud of our mijo doing big things in Texas con la musica chicana tejana. Uh, Leonard Tejas. Woo. <laughs> Anthony Villanueva, Rani Lozano, Guevara, Selvin. A lot of people here on Facebook. Awesome. Thank you for joining Thank us, man. Thank you guys for, for tuning in. A couple more things before we head out. Yeah. Um, it's a sickness of mine <laughs> that I have to know these things from musicians. But what's your most embarrassing moment on stage? Oh, man. Oh, okay. There's there's a few. I've been playing for a long time. <laughs> there, <laughs> You're still there young, was, Mike. Uh, I, I, have a, I have one from uh, from Little Joe, and then I have one. I'll tell another one, too, from... Uh, there was there was one time we played in Sugarland at this club. It just closed down. The Hama Rose uh, was yeah. at Sugarland, and, and uh, uh, you know we we're, we're playing, and, and this couple in front is is like pointing at me and saying, you know, hey, hey. you know, and, and uh, uh, I was like, oh, thanks, you yeah, know, they, rocking they, out, yeah, they're yeah, yeah, they're just all into it, and and find the song, and they call me, and they said, your zipper's down, it's off. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so that was embarrassing. Luckily, they, I don't think, you know, anything else, anybody else noticed because they were doing So if you have a, yeah. a video out there, uh, Mike. <laughs> Sugarland, yeah. <laughs> Sugarland with a zipper down. The other one was, that uh, <laughs> the other one was at George's bar, the same bar where I was first hanging okay. out with everybody. Okay. And, um, you know, I play some keyboards, some, not, not a lot. Yeah. I can play in the, in the, in the keys that I know I can do some stuff, but right. that's very limited. And uh, it was George's wife's birthday, so he wanted to go dance, and, and he had to go take care of some stuff with the food there and whatever. So he said, hey, Mike, will you play, right? Come play a song real quick. You know, I said, okay, sure. And we did Pato del Año, and they wanted to do it in A, you know, and I, I can play a little bit in A, but I had to play lead and, and you know, all this stuff. So I, so I transposed it to C on the keyboard. I, I knew his keyboard, so I, you know, moved it and played, and badass, you know, everybody out, great job, and, and uh, George came back and called us, called the song and and uh, counted it off one two three and bam and it was wrong and he's looking at it like what the <laughs> and he starts trying to play and he's like what the hell is going on and I didn't put it back I didn't, I didn't transpose it back and oh my god it was so and he called me out on the microphone too and just you know messed with me all night and I, I was so and again it was a night where there were so many people there right. because it was his wife's birthday and you know Richard Solis and all these guys were there and, and it was just like it was so embarrassing and, you know so I haven't really played too much keyboard out since <laughs> yeah. then you're town. not allowed to touch yeah, us anymore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out of all the instruments you play what's your favorite to play uh, still drums man I still, really? I still love to play drums I don't get to do it as often as I yeah. as I would like to and honestly bass was was one of the last things I learned and and one of the last things that I really focused on but everybody seems to always need a bass player you know so yeah, I got more work as a bass player you know and I mean I love it you know I love playing 
But um, yeah, if I if I had to choose, it'd be drums. You know that I'd still play. You think it's because and it's the first thing you learn? I think so, and I think it's just you know I'm more versatile on a drum set than I am anywhere else. You mm-hmm. know, even on guitar, like you know I, I can play, but but you know I can't play as many styles as fluently as I can on drums. You know, and I've always played. Still, even even up until I moved to Texas, I was playing weekly in in in. A, a jam band setting with my dad. You know, we were a house band that ran a jam session, so I played two nights a week doing that. When we did all classic rock and funk and stuff, and you know, so it it I always played. I just don't do it as much anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. But I still do some recordings out of my house and stuff for okay. different tracks for people. And you know, uh, um, I'm actually working on an album right now for uh, any little Joe fans might know a guy named Neil Sharp. He's a singer who would come out with us on the road every once in a while. I played with. Sang with the Platters and Archibald and the Drells. Okay. And, uh, so I'm doing a, a solo album for him, doing nice. all the instruments and stuff. So hey, I was, I was just going to ask you, what do you got coming up this year? And that's, I guess that's one of the projects you get. Yeah, that's one. That one I'm hoping to finish before the end of the year. And then La Cuarenta Cinco is going to hit uh, hit the ground running next year. You know, we just, myself and John Ontiveros and Zeke uh, Galvan, we just ended our tour with Little Joe Um to focus on, on La Cuarenta Cinco. So we, John was there for 10 years. Man, wow. and I, I was there for almost five and Zeke was there for about two and a half, you know, and, and that so was, are you going to, are you writing stuff right now? Are you in the studio? What's, we, what's, uh, we've where, got about half at? the album tracked already okay. and we're still arranging the second half. You know, we, we, uh, we don't do much writing right now. We hope to get into that, but we, we have gotten some songs from, uh, Beto Ramon and, and, yeah. uh, you know, just a lot of, a lot of great writers in, in the hell of music. And Joe Reveles, we got a song from mm-hmm. him. Uh, Juan Trevino, we're trying to get a song from him, you know, and he just won Latin Grammy. Right. You know, song, so, uh, might be a little more expensive for us now, but we're still going <laughs> to try. Should have signed that, should have signed that <laughs> paper last week. But, um, no, but, you know, it's great material and, and we're doing some, uh, um, older stuff that, that we're pulling out that, that we're going to try to just, Give it our little flavor, you know, some some older cumbias. And More stuff. touring, getting out there? Uh, yeah, yeah. We just got back. We did two nights in L.A., and we did a night in Las Cruces, nice. which was a lot of fun, man. And, and uh, we actually got to back up uh, David Mares, Adalberto, and uh, Sunny Salceda. And then there was a girl from, from L.A. who came with us, too, Jessica Baeza, who's doing nice. some stuff over there. For anybody listening, keep an eye out. La45music.com is our website. Uh, we've got a bunch of big gigs that I can't say yet because they haven't announced oh, the lineup. So you got to go but, like the page. You got to go like the page and <laughs> sign up for our mailing list because there's a, there's some stuff that's happening outside of Texas and in the desert somewhere towards the West Coast. <laughs> oh, I won't be more specific than that, but uh, we'll be out there. And then He's going to tell me after uh, we stop yeah. recording, but you guys will not know. <laughs> yeah, until you go sign up like the right. page. Uh, but we're on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff we'll be announcing. But next year is going to be a real good year for us. We're hoping the album's going to come out, and we're going to do a lot more touring, and, and it should be a, hopefully a really solid start to what we hope could be a really long career. And I'm excited. I'm excited. I dig the sound. I'm glad you guys are putting the CD out, uh, an album out with, with, with new music, with yeah. the old style. Yeah. And I really, I'm a fan of the old style, the old Chicano style. I think it's hard to find somebody who's not just because it's so ingrained in us from family and everything, yeah. you know? So, yeah. I mean, if, if we can fill that gap for people who are looking for that sound too, you know, and I mean, we're, we're fans of everything too. So we, yeah. we try to incorporate all that into what we're doing, you know, on the English side, on the, on the Spanish side, everything 
you know, we're trying to make our own mix of it, but when it's all said and done, we're trying to create a sound that everybody already is familiar with. Yeah. We're just trying to recreate that, <clears throat> excuse me, recreate that feeling and, and, you know, put some new material out there. You know, so you have something new to listen to and jam out. To. Somebody's gonna do it, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, <laughs> no, one, and, no one's doing it right now. Yeah, yeah. And and we hope that other people will, man. You know, yeah. it's gonna push us to be better if we can get, you know, three, four, five, ten other bands to come back and and do this style. You know, it's just gonna be better for everybody. You know, Mike, thank you for doing the podcast. Oh, man. thank you, man. I I'd appreciate love, it. Man. You know, I'd love to come back as a guest host and interview you <laughs> if you haven't done one yet. Because I haven't, I, mean, I haven't done one, but I, I think my son and I are gonna do something like uh, that. You maybe. got to, man, so. because I, I, I know, like you said, you, you interject your own stories in between, but I know you got a lot more in there. That yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of kids. Yeah. Saying, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I told my wife, I said, I got some, I wish I could tell you some of these stories, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I just really can't tell you these and, stories. You know, and, and it's a, a, a shared experience that only, only musicians understand. Yeah. So hopefully there's some musicians listening to the podcast because <laughs> when I was listening to the one you did with, with Dickie, with Richard Goddess, I was just, amazing to hear the things he was saying with Steve Roth. It was amazing yeah. to hear the things he was saying. And, you know, I, I really look forward to the rest that you're going to do, you know, thanks. I'd man. like to do one quick shout out to, sure. to, um, everybody with GK amps that they've been supporting me since I've been with little Joe and, and they're also oh, endorsed by GK? Yeah, with GK man. Awesome. And now that I'm leaving, they've still, you know, been they're so supportive and they're going to stick with me to, Good. to do La 45 and just to all the guys with La 45. I know some of them are listening. Oh, you want to tell them uh, who's in the band? Uh, yeah. On drums, Zeke Galvan. And he's from, from Sunnyside, Washington. Uh, myself on bass, John Ontiveros on lead trumpet. Um, second trumpet, we have Xavier Vidal who plays with Ruben Ramos still. And, and with La 45. On saxes, we have Leo Tellez on alto and Barry and flute. And, uh, which is another thing you don't see all the time yeah. with these bands, you know. And then on tenor, we have, um, Fernando Munoz and his brother, Isaac Munoz on trombone. And anybody from San Antonio probably knows them too. They've been making the rounds, you know. They're just turned 21, 22. And they've been playing with everybody, West Side Horns and all these, all the old school guys from here. So they're bringing all that to the table with us too. Yeah. And on guitar, like I said before, Joaquin Cura on keyboards, Chris Villanueva on accordion, Robert Casillas, Michael Gonzalez on percussion. And then when we can drag her out of the house, my wife, Amy Torres, on, on background <laughs> vocals with us. So she'll be out there at some of the bigger shows we're doing next year, the ones in the desert that we oh, can't talk it, about yet. Because they probably pay more. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to get paid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, but she, uh, uh, she, she comes out with us every once in a while. She didn't really come out the first year because she was pregnant. We just had a baby oh, boy. Congratulations. About two months ago. Thank you. So now she's ready to, to come back out and do some nice. more stuff with us. So it's, uh, uh, if you get a chance to come see us, you know, keep an eye out and, and, uh, we promise to try to put on a show you'll never forget. I highly recommend it. Go out there and see these guys like 45, even though I have trouble saying it. Like 45, <laughs> thank you for joining us. If you're on Facebook Live, thank you for joining yes, us. Thank you guys. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, thank you for joining us. You need to get, you need to get over to Facebook and like our page so you can watch these interviews live as they happen. Uh, other than that, Mike, thank you so much for, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Texas Music Spotlight Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and visit our website, texasmusicspotlight.com, to find out how you can be a part of the live recordings. Until next time, please continue to support local artists and music in your hometown. Yeah.